Well, good morning, Calvary. It is a pleasure to be with you here today and bringing uh, the teaching this morning. And uh, for those of you who do not know me, I am Ronald Sanchez. I, I work here at Calvary, uh, part of my time, um, and as the Associate Minister of, of Missions. Uh, not, not sure what that still means, but working there. Uh, no, so it's been a pleasure to be doing that uh, work here uh, with Calvary and, and be among such a, a, a church that loves Jesus, that loves people, that loves his mission. Uh, for the past few weeks, we have been looking over uh, this series called Come and See. And today we're going to see a particular miracle in John chapter 11. Um, but uh, before we dive into a scripture, I want to uh, share with you something that happened to me, to my family, many people in, in 2021. In January 2021... Uh, my wife and I received a message from uh, a dear friend uh, saying that he was very sick. He was in the hospital uh, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. He was having trouble breathing. Uh, they tested him for COVID. COVID it was not COVID. <clears throat> and uh, they thought it was a fungus. Uh, they just could not figure it out. So we're chatting. Uh, I started messaging him through... Um, um, Messenger, yes, the Messenger app, and uh, so we're communicating. At some point, he's like, "I'm, I'm feeling good." That was like January six. Um, I'm doing a lot better today, and uh, his name is uh, Andres Pesero, and uh, and then he sent me a message that I, I, I didn't see on, on January six, and and I replied January seventh. And I said, uh, man, that is so strange. That was the last message I sent. Uh, he never saw it. Uh, he had passed away. Um, and it is things like this that uh, when death comes around us, it, it rocks our world. It, we, we may think we're prepared for it, um, but it still, it feels so natural. It feels so strange, so weird. And it's hard for us to comprehend. And something similar, it's what happened in, in this story. Uh, Jesus lost a dear friend. Uh, his name is Lazarus. Uh, and that is what we're going to be going over today. John chapter 11, verses 17 through uh, 44. So if you open up your, your Bible, I'm, I'm reading from uh, the Baptist translation, ESV. So we'll, we'll read from there. Some of you didn't get that, but it's okay. So John chapter 11, verse 17 through 44. And it says this, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for <clears throat> four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind? Also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there, were, uh, there will be an order, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The men who had died came out. And his hands and feet bound with linen strips. He and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbite him and let him go. So today we're going to see three things. This is a, this is a marvelous story. And I think it's, it's one of the most wonderful miracles of Jesus uh, that he left. But we're going to see three things today. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about the reason Jesus had to resurrect Lazarus. Number two, the importance of this miracle. And lastly, how understanding this truth uh, can impact our life or should impact our life. The reason that he, Jesus had to resurrect Lazarus, I think uh, for me it's, it's, it's two ways. First of all, the text clearly says this in, in verse four, which we didn't read, uh, but it says, but when Jesus heard, Heard that he said, when he heard the news that Lazarus was sick, he said this, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Uh, the reason that Jesus needed to resurrect him was to bring glory to himself. Um, every miracle and words of Jesus that we have seen for the past few Sundays are about him. Uh, it's, they're about his majesty. They're about his power. They're about his identity. And all of it is about Jesus. The Gospel of John, the Gospel of John was written, John chapter 20, says that it was written so that uh, we may believe that Jesus is a promised Savior of God and that by believing we may have eternal life. Uh, the meta story of the Bible, the panoramic picture, all stories point towards 
Jesus. And this one is not the exception. The hero of the story of the Bible is Jesus. The Bible starts with God and it finishes with God. We, however, as human beings can be sometimes a little bit egocentric and seek our own vain glory. And if this is bothering you, it's probably because it's hurting your egocentricity and glory. Um, we can make sometimes everything about ourselves. And it is no surprise that sometimes we may fall into thinking that we are the heroes of the story, that the Bible, it's written about us, that we are in the center. However, being the, the heroes being in the center of the story, it's, it's, it's far from being truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible shows over and over again that we were victims and God needed to rescue us. It shows over and over again that we were enemies of God and that he made peace with us. It shows that we were dead and he gave us life. And in this particular miracle, we see that once again, Lazarus is not the hero of the story. Neither is Martha nor Mary. It is Jesus. He's the one who brings a dead person back to life so that he may be glorified. Not only did he have to do this miracle to bring glory to himself, but also to demonstrate his power over death. You see, death is a curse that fell on humanity the day that Adam and Eve sinned against God. And this is a curse that we have inherited. Uh, we see it all around us, and it is hard for us to comprehend. Uh, as I was reading through this, some psychologists even said that for some people, it is even easier to comprehend murder or the killing of a person than natural death is, is something that in our minds is it's easier to capture but natural death is is quite puzzling to us we we cannot accept it and not only is this a hard thing for us here in the west but it's also uh, hard for other cultures in the world as a matter of fact many of these cultures believe that death is uh, something that is unnatural and a lot of their stories speak about a golden age when man was living forever, but some, somehow they became mortal uh, because of some disobedience, something that they did against the gods or some misfortune uh, or, or, or circumstances. Even to those who may be a little bit more secular and who believe that death is... That's just the end of life. That nothing happens after death. It is still mind-boggling. Sometimes even people who believe this, it's hard for them to accept it. Um, it does not matter what your worldview is. One thing that both the religious and the not so religious are 100% guarantee is that we will all die. And that we must face death whether we want to or not. As a matter of fact, um, in 1994, there was this guy named, named Johnny. It was September 1994. And Johnny learned that death was coming for him in October 1st. 
So John Lee said, I am for sure going to fool death. So this is what he did. He changed his appearance. He shaved his head. He, was, he became bald. Bald? Yeah, I'm not still sure how to say that word. But he shaved his head. And uh, he changed his name. He changed his careers. And he moved to the next town. I'm, he's like, I am going to fool death for sure. I'm, this is not going to catch me on October 1st. October 1st arrived and death walks into the town of this guy named Johnny where, where he was living and death starts looking for Johnny. He goes to his house, Johnny's not there. He start, death starts asking for Johnny, Johnny's nowhere to be found. He goes to his job, there, Johnny's not there either. So very bothered because death needed to meet a quota. Death goes to the next town, walks into this bar and starts drinking and death is like, Ah, I'm just so bothered. I need to meet this quota. So how am I going to do it? So death looks next to it and it sees this bald guy and says, well, if I couldn't get Johnny, I'll surely get this bald guy. Well, it turned out it was Johnny. So Johnny tried to escape death, but he could not escape it. You see, it's guaranteed. All of us are going to die at some point. It is a powerful enemy. And all of us must face it whether we want it or not. And you see, there's like major research being done to how we can extend our lives and even understanding consciousness and see if we can transfer consciousness from one place to the other. And people are doing all of this because we're trying to find a weapon that will finally destroy death. We, however, don't have to look anymore. We can stop looking for the Holy Grail. Uh, if, if you don't know what I may be referring to, there is this famous movie about Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is looking for this holy girl, this cup that um, legend said that if you drank from it, then you will have eternal life. So they spend hours and, and a lot of resources and they go through all of this adventure trying to find this cup that if they drink for, from it, then they will live forever. We don't have to be looking for that anymore. We have found the one who holds the power over death. And his name is Jesus. It only took a few words for him, from him, to bring Lazarus back to life. All he had to say was, Lazarus, come out. And death was defeated. Death could not hold him back. Only by the power of his word. We have found the one who has much more power than death. So how is this important? I, I think it's pretty important. And this is the reason why. Because our biggest problems, or at least our biggest problem, they, it has now a solution. This miracle is so important because it demonstrates that the biggest fear that maybe some of us have, it has a solution. Death has power, sure it does. But our Lord is much, much, much more powerful than death. As a matter of fact, if you are in Christ, death has no power over you. If you are in Christ, you can say the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57, when he said this, when the perishable the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, death 
is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can say that today, surely, because if Christ defeated death, then we will also be raised up to life with him. You see, this miracle is important because it gives us the hope that if Jesus was able to raise Lazarus from the grave with his word, he can do that too with us. If he did it with somebody, he can surely do it in myself. He can call us out from the grave and resurrect us. He will do that in the future. We will have a new body. We will have a new uh, place, a new dwelling place. And, and Paul describes that in, in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have not read this, it's, it's a wonderful chapter to go and read when after this is done and, and meditate on this. But this miracle is also important, not only because of what Christ will do in the future, but because it also demonstrates that we can experience that resurrection power now. You see, we don't have to wait until we die to experience this resurrection power. We can experience that today. Martha was hoping in a future resurrection. That's part of the conversation she had with Jesus. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And her answer was, surely he will do in the day when everyone will be resurrected. I surely hope for that. But Jesus taught her something revolutionary. He, he told her that resurrection has already arrived. Resurrection has already started. And resurrection came in the form of a person. Not as something else, but in the form of a person. He's pretty much telling her that resurrection can, experience, can be experienced in the present life. <clears throat> Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, somewhat like this. He says that Christ has raised us up uh, and he has seated us in heavenly places. And he's speaking as something that has happened now in the present, not as something that will happen in the future. You see, if you are in Christ... You have been resurrected already. It's not something that will happen. It's like the both end. Yes, it will happen. And yes, it has happened. Um, the, the power of Christ is not something that we should be expectant to experience. It is something that we have experienced. And you may be like, Ronald, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure I have not died. Uh, and neither have I been resurrected. Um, well, maybe not in, in, this, in the physical sense, maybe not, not that sense, but did you know that we were the walking dead? Did you know that we were walking dead in our trespasses and in our sins? You thought, we thought we were living, but we were as dead as it could be. And it was by the power of Christ that we came out from that place of death into life. There was a point in our life when somebody came and shared the good news of Jesus and we believed and we were given eternal life. So if you have believed in Jesus, resurrection in your life has started 
And this is, this is what Jesus was trying to teach Martha, that resurrection starts now, and it starts with him. So the question is, if this is true, if resurrection life has started now, how and will happen in the future, how is this going to affect our life? How does it impact our lives? Our present lives reflect our beliefs about the future. What, what we think, this is pretty much how we work. We think, therefore we do. We believe, therefore we live. And I just want to give you two examples of it. For example, if, if you believe that ch sending your children to college and having them get a good career uh, will make a good life for them, then you and I will try to do whatever we can. To, we'll, we're going to have to, um, we're going to teach them how to do their homework. We're going to make sure that they're going to school, that uh, we may open a savings account because we truly believe that if we send them uh, to college and they get this career, then their life will be better. We think, then we act, uh, and et cetera. But on the other hand, if, if we believe that the world is under a pandemic, then um, <clears throat> some people may buy enough toilet paper for the next 10 years, leaving those who come after them with little to nothing. And some of you may be like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. I went to the, if you didn't experience that, blessings to you, brother and sisters. Some of us did experience it. Um, so it, it's, it's just, we can talk over and over examples of how thinking about something will lead us into acting a certain way. Um, but the, the bottom line is that Every action that we take is led by a rational or irrational thought that comes to our mind. This week I was watching a video of a pastor who went to spring break and he was sharing the gospel with, with the spring breakers. <clears throat> and he was doing that in the form of an interview. He had a camera, he had a microphone. And he, one of the questions that he, he asked was, what do you think happens after you die? And there were about three to four gentlemen that he was interviewing at this part, in this particular video. And when he asked this question, all of them, to my surprise, said, well, we don't think there's anything that happens after, after you die. Uh, but one of them in particular, he said, uh, he was trying to get the attention of everybody. He said, because I don't believe that there is a heaven or hell, uh, I don't have to worry about, you know, doing drugs or or getting drunk or having premarital sex, etc. cetera. Uh, but even, he said this, but even if there was such a thing as hell, I'd rather go there and enjoy this life here and now. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but this is pretty much the words that came out of his mouth. You see, because he thinks in a certain way, he lives in a certain way. And some of us may be shocked by this statement that this gentleman made. We may judge him and think that he's foolish for thinking that way. The problem is, however, that us too, as followers of Jesus, have tendencies to forget this truth in our own lives. And sometimes we act similarly, maybe not to this extent, but we too can get caught up with what we have in front of us and forget that there is something better, much bigger that is waiting for us. Uh, that has been promised to us.
C.S. Lewis very famously put it this way. He said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinks and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I know that my personal mud pie is, is finances. I can get so caught up thinking of what my life will look like in the next 10, 20 years and the life of my family will look like and make all the decisions based on this thought. What is my life going to look like now? And sometimes it creates even disobedience because I hear the Lord calling me to do something and I say, no way. I'm not doing that because I'm, I fear that I will be missing out. Not really thinking, not really considering that death for me is just a step into eternal life. Um, I know that sometimes what I say with my mouth is not really what I believe in my heart. And it is, it's, it's very easy to tell that because my life is not reflecting that. And um, see, if we truly believe this truth about what Jesus says about the future, then our life will definitely be reflecting that. And sometimes we do well, sometimes we fail. I, I often wonder what Lazarus did after Jesus rose him out from, from the grave. And so I started looking and there, it seems at least there are two theories. Um, some people think that Lazarus and his sisters, they move out, they moved to Cyprus and he became a bishop there and, and he died of natural causes. Uh, but other theory says that Lazarus and his sisters, they moved to another region to preach the gospel and he there became a bishop too. And he was beheaded under the tyranny of Emperor uh, Domitian. Whether, uh, I don't know which one is truth, but this, what this doesn't say is that Lazarus went on and he retired and he had a good life picking up seashells on the seas. That he bought a the very nice house next to the beach, the, the Galilean beach. And he said, now I'm really going to enjoy life. He knew what was truth. He had experienced it. And therefore, because he believed, he lived in a certain way that it may have cost him his life or it may have cost him to not live so comfortably or whatever. And the question is, what will your life look like? What will my life look like if we were given a second chance to live? Um, Maybe you're like, oh yeah, Lazarus. I mean, he experiences in, in a very particular way. Surely he can live like that, but I, I'm not so sure I can. Well, I, I wanna just give you another example. There is a, a brother that we all love. Um, and and he, he, he was with us for quite a long time. He has now moved. His, his name is David Love. This week I received a, or this past week I received a message from him 
um, very strange. And he's telling me that he's in this particular region where it's controlled by uh, Islamic uh, radicals and terrorists. And he was there sharing the gospel with young ladies and uh, just loving on them. And I'm like, this brother is retired. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, brother? Are you crazy? That, that's one of the first things that went through my mind. He's like, oh yeah, we were here and all of a the sudden these, these uh, soldiers, they came and surrounded us and they said that we needed to go. And I'm like, what is going through your mind? Um, because he believes, he lives. Because he knows and understands the importance uh, and the impact of, of this truth, then he asked. So my question is then, what should our lives look like then? I am not telling you go and do exactly what this brother is doing. I am not God. I am not the Holy Spirit. But I think that all of us should be challenged when we read a story like this and we think about this truth, this marvelous truth that Jesus Christ has power over death and he has the power to call you out from death to life, then we must ask, if I truly believe this, what will my life look like? So I, I am not here once again to, to tell you what to do. Uh, but as a brother in Christ, I think all of us should spend some time looking within. Saying, Lord, if I truly believe this, what are the things that you have been calling me to do that I have been saying no to? Because I, I fear of missing out. I, I, maybe I don't truly believe that you can raise me up. What is, what is Christ calling you to do? So I, I want to do two things this morning as we're going to be singing a song and as, as we are meditating in this word. Uh, first of all, if you're here and you have not experienced the power of Christ resurrecting your life, first thing that you should do is repent and believe. Don't not, do not wait for all the circumstances to be right. Come today to Jesus. Do not wait until your life gets better or until your last days. Today is the day of salvation. Christ is calling you today. If you're here today, it's because he's working. He's wooing you. He's calling you so that you may come to him, so that you may believe and may have eternal life. And number two, if you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and maybe, yes, you, you have heard it a thousand times that Jesus has the power to resurrect you. But maybe, like me, you, you have been focusing on mud pies. Um, maybe disobeying Jesus. Um, look within and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Um, be challenged by him, obey him. Um, so as we sing this song, we invite you to come forward, whether it is that it's your first time. 
hearing this truth that Jesus has, has the power to raise you up. And you're like, how do I do that? How do I experience this resurrection power? We'll be happy to guide you. Uh, but also if you've been struggling, you have um, been <laughs> living a life that the Lord has not called you to live. And you're like, Lord, I forgive me. This is a perfect place to do it, the perfect time to do that. So come as we're worshiping and, and, and pray. Uh, I, I would like to pray for us. Father, I love you and thank you for your word because it is powerful and it holds this beautiful truth. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit continues to work in our lives and change us uh, completely. Uh, teach us what you want of us. Uh, we love you, Lord. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.